Well, thank you, Zach and the Bellevue boys. And thank you, Evan, for Rock of Ages. Did you get it? Be of sin, the double cure. I hope you never, hope you never, hope you never forget it. Well, good morning, Bellevue Baptist Church, and welcome. And um, I am glad to be here. I'd rather be here than the best hospital in greater Cincinnati. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And uh, this is a place to be. Now, I had one of Carolyn's heavenly cinnamon rolls for breakfast this morning, and I'm ready. And if you've never had one of Carolyn's cinnamon rolls, get one before you go to heaven. Uh, I, 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 I tried to save one for Joyce, but um, I sinned. And uh, <laughs> so, Joyce, I'm sorry. We are in a series of messages entitled, A Trip to Graceland uh, to See the King. And today's message is, in Graceland, everybody forgives everybody, or forgives others. My text is Matthew the 18th chapter, verses 21 through 25, if you would like to follow, or find it on your phone. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's a very good, very good translation. Matthew 18, 25 through 31. Then Peter came to him and asked him, How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring accounts, his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He could not pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went out and to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison, until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called him in, called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in you and you alone, we find mercy that we do not deserve and grace that is greater 
than all our need. And now, Father, I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us this morning. Give each of us here just the message you want us to hear, because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Lucy is chasing Charlie Brown around the house. I'm going to get you, Charlie Brown. I am going to get you. And all of a sudden, Charlie Brown comes to a screeching halt, puts up both his hands, and he says, Lucy, listen, if we as children cannot forgive one another, how can our parents learn then to forgive each other? And in turn, how can the world? And at that moment, Lucy punches Charlie Brown's lights out. And she said, I had to. He was beginning to make sense. <laughs> now, this message is going to make sense. At one place or another, it will really speak personally to us. And we may not like it, but it will make sense. Let me start with this. The consequences of not forgiving. Now, I had three, but I'm going to spare you. I boiled it down to one. And the one that I want to talk about, the consequences, if we do not forgive, God won't forgive us. You say, whoa, whoa. Well, stay with me. Stay with me. Look what Matthew 6, this is the end of the Lord's Prayer. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. You say, well, you have been teaching us that salvation is by grace alone in Jesus Christ. And this sounds like if we give, forgive someone, then we can earn our salvation. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 does not teach that our eternal destiny is based on forgiving others. It does teach this, that our relationship to God will be greatly damaged if we refuse to pardon those who offend us. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is not referring to God's initial act of forgiveness, double be of sin, the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. He's not talking about that. He is talking about the day-to-day -day cleansing that we need to receive to continue to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. See, folks, forgiveness in this sense is what God threatens to withhold from us if we refuse to forgive others. And that is exactly what our text, that is exactly what our text says. Uh, if I can find it, Matthew 18. 32 and 35, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So here it is. So also, my heavenly Father will do to you, woo, unless every one of you forgives his brother and sister in your, in your heart. 
Now, remember, Jesus in Matthew 6 has been teaching about giving us the Lord's Prayer. If there are those that we have not forgiven, when we ourselves pray for forgiveness, we're asking God not to restore our fellowship with Him. Mm. What did Jesus say? It's according to which church you grow up in, the word that you used. I grew up saying, seeing debtors. I come here and people say trespasses. Forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who uh, have sinned against us. The text really says, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Isn't that dangerous to pray? So God will not hear our prayers unless we show ourselves ready to forgive. And that is exactly what Jesus is teaching. It has nothing to do with our day-to-day, our initial salvation. It has to do with us not forgiving other people. And it has to do with affecting our day-to-day relationship with God. If we do not forgive these people who sin against us on a day-to-day basis, then God will not forgive us and it will damage our relationship with Him. Now, there are several mistakes that we make about forgiveness. So hang in with me. There are several that I think we just need to clear up. The first mistake we make about forgiveness is this. Time heals all wounds. We have heard that all of our life. Time heals all wounds. If you just give it enough time and let it slide, then you'll get over it. Understand, time heals nothing. A right decision can put you on the road to allowing time to heal you, but just as a wrong decision makes the hurt even worse and makes it Fester. See, time has nothing to do with healing unless we make the right choice to forgive. The second mistake that we make is forgiveness isn't denying the hurt. Now, a lot of people think, well, if I just deny the hurt, then I have forgiven them. No, 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 no. I must not act like nothing happened. I must not act like it did not matter. See, either denying the hurt or exaggerating the hurt is a sign of immaturity. Maturity looks at the situation honestly and says, yes, I was hurt by what so-and-so did. Maturity does not deny the hurt. Honesty is the road to recovery. When we hurt, what we do is we enter into a crisis of honesty. To deny the hurt and the unfairness is not being honest about it. I cannot relate to you. You cannot relate to me. We cannot relate to our spouse until we are honest and come to terms with the unfairness of the hurt. Are you with me? Are you with me? There is a third mistake that we make, and, and, and this, this one gets tedious. 
confessing an unknown bad attitude about another person, and they didn't know about it. Now, I am not talking about the mistakes that we always, I'm talking about the mistake that we always have to go to a person and confess an unknown attitude toward that person. That is not true. That is not true. Now, sometimes people have such a bad attitude towards somebody else, and they're so guilt-ridden about the bad attitude that they feel like, I have got to go to so-and-so and tell them these bad attitudes I've had about them and ask them to forgive me. Folks, that just compounds the situation. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, well, I just want you to know I have terrible feelings about you, and I want you to know I haven't liked you for years. And I want you to know there are some things I hate about you. And I just wanted to just to get it off my chest. And, and they go away acting real pious and feeling better. You didn't know anything about it. And you're standing there. They verbally vomited all over you. And they leave you standing there. And they walk away feeling very pious and very spiritual about it. And you're left to deal with it. Now I've seen this happen. It's happened to me. If the person is unaware of a bad attitude that you have toward them, talk to God about it and get forgiveness for it. Now, there are times that you have to go to a person and ask them to forgive you. When that person, you, when you have wronged that person, go and make it right. Yes, go and make it right. But I'm talking about where they do not know how you feel about them, and you go and confess it, and it just makes matters worse. Keep it to yourself and talk to God about it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Number four, forgiveness and trust aren't the same. <laughs> forgiveness and trust aren't the same. I talk to people all the time who think that if they forgive someone who has hurt them deeply, then they have to totally trust that person. Now, every parent here has had a child who has made big mistakes and, and messed up big time. And we forgive that child. We forgive them. But we can't trust them right yet. That child's actions, that child's decision created a mistrust. Our job is to forgive them many times, yes. But we do not have to trust them until they earn it, right? Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean a fully restored relationship. Now it can be, but it doesn't mean that you have to fully trust that person like you did before. Now I've seen this in families. I've seen it in families. A family member abandons a family, causes all kinds of hurts, has an affair, barges back in, and wants to be exactly where they were in the family. Hmm. I know a family, I dealt with this family, that the father abandoned the wife and the daughter even before the daughter was born, and he left them for women and alcohol, and they lived in poverty. They lived in poverty. 
Years later, he came by to see his daughter, stayed an hour, was gone again, and never heard from him again. After the daughter's married, and they got a little baby, she gets a telephone call from him. He is ill, he's in a hospital in the West, and he wants her to drop everything and fly where he is. And they struggle with that, and they came to see me about it. Now, these kids were just getting started. They, had, they didn't have two nickels to rub together, and he didn't offer to help them. And she said no, and he died, and she made the right decision. After all of those years, he wants to come barging back in, requiring a struggling young couple with a new baby to borrow money to take off from work and come and see him. And she said no. And I supported her decision. Now, if you have a problem with that and you want to write me about it, address it to Dale Scott, Bellevue Baptist Church. <laughs> That's all the address you need. See, just because I forgive you doesn't necessarily mean a fully restored relationship. Trust in any relationship has to be earned. Proverbs 14, 15 says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man, a smart man, gives thoughts to his steps. Now, and here's what happens. In the case of a busted child, in the case of a busted spouse, they did wrong. They got caught. You forgave them. And a few weeks later they say, well, don't you trust me? And you know the appropriate answer to that is no. Right. I forgive you, but I don't trust you right now. I will trust you when you prove you are trustworthy. Now, forgiveness lets them start over, doesn't it? When I forgive you, the slate is wiped clean, and I give you an opportunity to start over. But I do not put you back where you were. I forgive you, and there will come a time, if you prove trustworthy, that I will put you back where you belong. C.S. Lewis has a great statement about this. This doesn't mean that you necessarily believe the next promise. Is that right? It does mean that you make every effort to kill any trace of resentment in your heart, every wish to humiliate, humu hum say it for me, that's it, uh, hurt or pay that person back. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. People have to earn trust after you have forgiven them. All right. Now, this is the next one is a big one. I don't have my watch. I left it back there. I'm sorry. Good luck. <laughs> this is a big one. To forgive is to forget. Now, let me deal with this. Folks, let's just get real about this. When we forgive someone, we don't forget the hurt. As if forgiving or as forgetting came along with the forgiveness package like sunshine comes with spring. How many times have we heard, if you forgive it, you have to forget it? Now, we can be healed, yes. But 
even if it is easier to forget after we forgive, we should not make forgetting a test of forgiving. The test of forgiving lies with the healing, yes, the lingering pain of the past, not forgetting the past that ever happened. Now, folks, we cannot stop our memory on a dime, reverse it, and spin it in the other direction like we're rewinding a television program. The really important thing is that we have the power to forgive what we still remember. Does that make sense? Forgiving and forgetting is a choice. We choose to forgive what we still remember. It is a choice. We put it behind us so it does not affect our relationship with that person. When it comes to forgiveness, God is not asking us to have spiritual amnesia. No, 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 no. Forgiveness doesn't erase the memory. When the memories come back and they hurt you, face them, face them. Allow yourself to remember the offense. Even feel the emotion if you will. Are you with me? Use your memory of the hurt as an opportunity to renew your mind. Identify once how they hurt you. And then thank God for giving you the grace and the strength to forgive. But here's the thing. Don't accept the devil's lie that you haven't forgiven because you haven't forgotten. Focus on this truth. The truth is you made a decision to forgive. Forgiveness means, now here's what it means. We get to the place when we think about the hurt, we don't get angry, we don't want revenge, and, and we can handle it. But it does not mean that we forget. Folks, forgiveness is an act of the will. If forgiveness were an emotion, we would never forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a matter of the will. You cannot control how you feel, but you can control what you do. And this is why the Bible never commands feelings. The Bible always commands actions, actions. And the beautiful thing about it is this. We act our way into a feeling. You do not feel your way into an action. You act your way into the feeling. This is what the Bible says about it. Romans 12. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take refuge, I will repay, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now here it is. Here's how you act your way into a feeling. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Does that demand action? Not a feeling. 
If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. There's an action. If doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's an action. So we act our way into a feeling. We don't feel our way into an action. All right, number six. Forgiveness does not mean God removes the consequences. A classic illustration of this is David and his adultery with Bathsheba and his murdering Uriah. Forgiveness doesn't mean God removes the consequences. God sent the prophet Nathan to David. And Nathan said to him, Why have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Amorite sword. Listen to this. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. Listen to this. I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. And boy, did he ever. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied to David, And the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in the matter, the son born to you will die. Now notice here, God forgave David. He said, you will not die. But the sword will never depart from your house. And I'm going to bring disaster on you from your own family. And boy, did he ever. The terrible consequences of David's murder of Uriah and adultery, he paid a tremendous price from his own family. The baby was born from the adultery died. David had a beautiful daughter, Tamar. Her half-brother, Amnon, raped Tamar. Absalom, who was Tamar's brother, killed, killed Ammon for raping his sister. Sounds like a soap opera. Absalom, David's son, pulled off a coup against his father. King David had to abdicate his throne and leave and go to the wilderness and to, to, to escape with his life. His own son. And then, to father insult his father, Absalom puts up a tent and he takes his father's concubines to bed, and which was a great disrespect in that culture. And then, David's son Absalom, who had pulled the coup against his father, was killed by David's commanding general. And David went through the palace wailing, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. 
Oh, Absalom, would to God I had died for you. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. The sword never departed David's house. David had to live with the consequences of his sin for the rest of his life. Now, we may have made a terrible mistake and have to live with the consequences the rest of our life. Get this. Now get this. God removed the eternal consequences from David. God has forgiven you. You will not die. God forgave David the eternal consequences, but he did not remove the earthly consequences of David's sin. Forgiveness is not removing all the consequences. Now that's been a lot of stuff. I, I don't like to put that much stuff in a sermon, but that's a lot of stuff I felt like I had I had to cover. Let's review it. Time heals all wounds. It's a mistake. It doesn't unless, unless you handle it right. Make the right decisions, then it can. Forgiveness isn't denying the hurt. Oh, I deny it. If I deny it, I, that means I forgive. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, go, don't go to a friend or somebody and confess an attitude you have toward them that they don't know about. Keep it to yourself. Let God deal with it. Forgiveness and trust are not the same. No, no. Trust has to be earned. You can forgive, but trust has to be earned. And to forgive is to forget. No, no, no. It's there. We learn to deal with it. And there will come a time when we remember it and it doesn't hurt us. I, I, I had some fellows hurt me deeply. I put them in my little black prayer book and prayed that good things would happen to them, that good things would happen to them. And eventually, I was able to see them, talk to them, and not want to take their heads off, not want to hurt them, or didn't want God to hurt them. Forgiveness isn't removing all the consequences. How many of us have made a mistake that we have to live with the rest of our life. God removed the eternal consequences, but he did not remove the earthly consequences. Let me just close real quick. I don't have time to go into this. Forgiveness takes desire. We have to want to forgive. And the problem is sometimes we do not want to let it go because we feel like if we do, they got away with it. Forgiveness takes desire. Father, I want to change. I, 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 I want you to change me from the inside out. Help me, Father, to deal with this. Help me to give this to you. Work on me on the inside. A desire to forgive starts first and then forgiveness is an act of faith not a feeling it's an act of faith we have to trust God to even the scales and trust him to make things right well I've laid a lot of stuff on you this morning
And let me just close with this. Forgiveness will change your life. It will change your life. But unforgiveness will be a heavy chain on your life that you'll drag around, drag around, and drag around. Forgiveness will change your life. But unforgiveness will bind you in a chain and make your life miserable for the rest of your days. Pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer that maybe you need, as I pray it out loud, maybe you need to pray it in your mind silently as I pray it out loud. Maybe you need to pray something like this. Father, I have had this continual refusing to forgive the person who hurt me and wronged me and the acid and the bitterness and the resentment is just eating away my peace. How well I know I don't deserve forgiveness. So, Father, help me. Help me. Give me the grace to forgive this hurt. Maybe you need to pray that. Maybe you need to pray. Give me the grace to forgive this hurt. Maybe you need to pray, Father, I give you this emotion of resentment. I, I want to forgive. Take it from me. Cleanse every petty thought and oh Father make me sweet again maybe you need to pray that Father hear our prayers we make them and pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen Today we want to give you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior. Forgiveness is the most peaceful, wonderful thing in the world. Come to Jesus, let him forgive you all of that past. And here's the remarkable thing about Jesus, he, he won't hold it against you. He will never remember it against you anymore, as we talked about last week. Come and accept his grace. Come and accept his mercy. Put your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you need to obey him in Christian baptism. We'd love to help you do that. Maybe you just need to become a part of the Bellevue Baptist family. We'd love to welcome you into our family. If you would like us to pray with you, don't be ashamed. Linger afterwards and one of the deacons will pray with you. We'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be down front. I pray that you'll make the decision that you need to make about your relationship with Jesus Christ today. Let's stand and sing.